In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we enter into the great 40 days of Lent that culminate in our journey with Jesus to the cross during Holy Week and through the cross in the great light of Easter and the shedding abroad and bodying forth of that light in the Feast of Pentecost, I want to just pause and ponder with you how we might use these days together as, as a community. I think first off in the spirit of Ash Wednesday, it's important just to be honest <laughs> and look this fragile fleeting life of ours square in the eye and to recall for ourselves that um, we don't know actually how many more of these Ash Wednesdays any of us have. <laughs> and in fact, this day, this very day last year, uh, we lost Michelle's dad, Nora's husband, my best friend, the girl's papa. Um, so there's, a, for me, a particularly, for our family, a particularly sharp and still painful poignancy to this dust-to-dust dust day, a reminder of how our, our days are indeed like grass. We flourish like a flower of the field, and when the wind goes over it, it's gone, says the psalm. Not gone forever. <laughs> not lost. Nothing is ever lost in God's economy of love, but the tender ache of those we love but see no longer is here. Right? How preciously fleeting, after all, this life. How fragile and unrepeatable this life. How wondrous this thing we call being human. Oh, that we might truly appreciate it and might live a life together, individually and corporately, that is truly life. And how easy it is, actually, to mechanically and automatically devote ourselves to habits of heart, mind, and body that blind us to living in the mystery of God, in whom we live and move and have our being. How easy it is to actually practice distraction, contraction, and separation. How easy it is when the breezy wind of the always walking by one tickles the hairs at the nape of our neck or tugs at our sleeve, as he is wont to do. How easy it is to not even notice and return to mending our nets in the illusory safety of our comfortable boats with the family name Sons of Thunder Fishing Company, Zebedee Inc., painted right on the prow. Never leave our boat. And so Lent is this time when we actually have the privilege of taking a close look and seeing where we're planted. 
by streams of living water rooted and grounded in the peace, freedom, and poured out for others' life of the risen Christ, closer to us than our own juggler, or somewhere else. During Lent, the church invites us to uh, adopt certain habits of body, mind, and spirit in order to, to see clearly where we're stuck, to open ourselves to the healing presence and action of God in our lives, and then go with Jesus to those left in the ditch, others as the very love we've received. See where we're stuck, open ourselves to God's healing grace. And having been touched and transformed, we go as that love. It's very easy for Lenten disciplines to shade in a couple different ways, but one way is into uh, a rather innocuous, apparently pious uh, activities that have little effect on drawing us closer to the love of God uh, and healing us from our hurts, hurts and woundedness, sending us out as repairers of the breach in a world riven with dehumanizing inequality. My particular instance of this is uh, something we practice quite regularly, which is called giving up sweets for Lent. Uh, it was popular amongst us kids, and our dentist, uh, whose name I still remember, uh, Dr. Bill Kay, Dr. Bill Kay hated this practice of giving up sweets for Lent because it hurt his pocketbook. We avoided some cavities, perhaps, those 40 days, but did it wake us to all that blocks the receiving of God's unconditional love in our hearts? Did foregoing a box of turtles open us to the healing and tra transformation of our woundedness and alienation from God as the very ground of our being? Did it open our eyes to the splendors of creation and help us to see more clearly the faces of the poor we're asked to serve? Did it deepen our relationship with God and move us from acquaintanceship to friendliness, to friendship, to intimacy, to union and communion. Did it do any of that? No, probably not. But boy, did we take pride in not eating sweets. Fasting can take lots of forms, but actually when you get right down to the ones that actually change how we see and are in the world, very Few of them have anything to do with what you put in your mouth. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity has that lovely counsel, let yourself be loved. Let yourself be loved. It's the entire Christian path. For the Carmelites, the path of discipleship is really all about recognizing that the God we seek is always already seeking us. It's wonderfully good news. It starts rightly with desire, but not our desire for God, God's desire for us. No matter how much you think you are searching for God, says John of the Cross, he is searching for you much, much more. And fasting in this picture, I think, is something more akin to stopping the outward search for what is already poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, the one who's already here. Right? We overlook. It's a recognition, really, of what's always already the case. 
more than an acquisition of something we lack. Fasting in this picture is, first of all, noticing the ways that each of us kind of litanize fear, scarcity, and lack in ourselves, in others, in the world. All the ways we see the world through the story that we don't know is a story, right? But through the story of not enough, of something missing, a day late and a dollar short orientation where happiness uh, for which we're made is <clears throat> always over the next hill, always around the next bend, and on a distant, ever-receding horizon. Over the hill, around the bend, on the horizon, but never right here, as what Père de Cossade calls the sacrament of the Buddhist, not the Buddhist, <laughs> the sacrament of the present moment, I was going to say, or did you think that the Buddhists are the ones who invented the present moment? But the sacrament of the present moment, where we find the God who is with us. So we notice these stories we tell ourselves. I'm a failure. I'm unlovable. I'm broken, dirty, warped to the core, whatever our version of that is. We notice the stories we tell about uh, others. She's such a so-and-so. She always does fill in the blank. Those people are fill in the blank. Litanizing. And we even notice during this time the stories we tell ourselves about God. Like the big meanie Stalin God just waiting to send you to the gulag for eternity. Right? Some of us have those God images in our closets. What if that's what you're supposed to fast from these 40 days? We take an honest look and we see which of these tape loops are kind of running the show. We just notice. And in the noticing, we notice the suffering and self-enclosure, the self-centeredness these believed tape loops bring with them. Hunched shoulders, furrowed brows, bald fists, clenched jaws, and all kinds of different physical, spiritual, and mental afflictions. We notice all this, and with gentle, loving curiosity, let it all come undone in love. We make a little space for the truth of who we are, people crowned with mercy and loving kindness. As the psalmist puts it, we let that wash over us, burble up as from an unstopped well and irrigate our parched places. Fasting from fear, scarcity, and lack. Disidentifying from our thoughts and stories, or if you want to use Matthew's language for it, gently shutting the door. Shutting the door. We gradually let ourselves be loved. Let love do its work on us. We make a little space for God to get at us and his healing love does the rest. Hini. Hini is the Hebrew. Here I am. 
Here I am. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Lenten disciplines, for some folk, not everyone, uh, can also tend in the way of kind of playing with fire, being a little bit dangerous, and we sometimes need supervision and counsel. Well, why would that be? Because it's very easy to use some traditional ascetical Lenten practices to reinforce deeply ingrained and often unconscious habits of self-hate. We live in a culture of self-hate. It's piped in through the radio, the TV, your cell phone, 24-7. So we have to be careful about what we adopt. Because we can say, hate our body, right? And in the name of being spiritual and observing a holy Lent, we fast so that God, who we think hates our body like we hate our body, will love us. That's scary stuff. Or we hate our anger and we try to expel it hatefully and only become more practiced in hate after 40 days, right? The criteria always has to be, how does this practice, this habit of heart, this spiritual discipline, open me to receiving more deeply God's love for me? How is it helping me recognize, marinate, stabilize in the belovedness that is at the pulsing heart of creation? How is it opening my eyes to the suffering of others towards whom the winds of grace and love always blow us? And if it doesn't do any of those things, then don't do it. Just as an example, one Lent, I had a spiritual director. <laughs> it just shows you how crazy I am, but he told me to stop praying altogether and eat ice cream every night for 40 days. And I was, I was so wrapped up in trying to earn God's love and make myself acceptable in God's sight that the only recourse from this wise soul was to just stop, drop it all. I actually gained weight for the first time. And when I returned to prayer for, I cheated a little bit. I did pray a little bit through Lent, but I mostly stopped. Uh, when I returned to prayer, it was with a sense of enjoying the God whose only desire was to love me into loving other people. But I had to, to notice and fast from an image of a God inherited from teachers, parents, priests, Church, that was unhealthy, destructive, and particularly for me, very, very dangerous, just flat-out dangerous. Willfulness and effortful striving yielded to effortless willingness to open to Jesus who was already here. 
and a gentle receptivity uh, born of letting myself be loved rather than trying to make myself lovable in the eyes of some disapproving, judgmental parent god prone to fits of pique. That fell away. It was a good fast, a holy fast. You know that old cliche, hurt people hurt people. And that's why I think Lent has to, first of all, be a time of healing, because we're all hurt and wounded. So that we can be of real self-forgetful service to others. Um, Otherwise, we're often just visiting our hurts on other people in the name of serving them. The opposite of hurt people, hurt people, is healed people, heal people. Loved people, love people. And transform people, transform people. When we recognize and make contact with, rest in and as the belovedness that is literally dying to get at us, we can't help but then go as a sent people with love on our lips, help in our hands, breach mending, blessing, healing, and reconciliation pouring out of us as they pour out of Jesus. Like water to wash, bread to feed, oil to heal the sick, and wine to slake the thirst of the thirsty. You become Eucharist for others. Or do we think it's just something that happens on a table? That's why social justice is the natural fruit, the given of transformative encounter with the living God. We fast from all that is not God and God's love for us, presenting ourselves just as we are to God, just as God is, and become bearers, God-bearers, in clay jars, of that very same love which we pour out for others. With dear Paul, we acquaint ourselves with, with being little, open and receptive to God's presence and action in our life, being poor, rich in God's work in us and not with our own agenda-driven efforts, having nothing, and being an open place where God can happen when we cease pointing the accusing finger and see that the problem is mostly, no, scratch that, always the log in my own eye, God happens. When we see that we actually have enough and we share from our abundance, guess what? God happens when we wake up to the belovedness that is who we are and realize that this is the very same belovedness of each and every person, regardless of race, class, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, when we recognize that and hold everybody in and as that, God is happening. We worry less about what others aren't doing in that long list of what everybody else should do. And we concentrate on what we're doing 
or more properly, what God is doing through us. We discover that we are indeed God's field, God's building, a place and an activity where the new song of God in Christ is sung through us as little acts of loving attention many times. And even if we can't do very much for those whose station in life means pretty much sticking close to home, not really getting out of bed very much, even if all we can do is is lie down and do nothing, we do that nothing gallantly, surrenderedly, in the trust that in some hidden way that doesn't register, by the way, on the bean counter's abacus, and it doesn't register on the virtue watchdog's scorecard, in some hidden way, that surrendered gallant lying there in bed is God happening through that person for others. So my prayer is that we can fast from all that is not our belovedness of God. Fast from everything that's not your, just as you are crowned with mercy and loving kindnessness. My prayer is that we make a little space for God to water our parched places during Lent. So little pauses that we gently shut the door on stories of fear, scarcity, and lack. Just let them come undone. They're just stories after all. The prayer is that a new and contrite heart, an undefended heart without edges or boundaries be fashioned in each of us. And that we may with eyes washed clean by love's tincture be awake to the ways we might individually and corporately work to repair the breach between haves and have-nots. Those on the top, those on the bottom, the insiders and the outsiders. What if we take seriously this charge to not hide ourselves from our own kin? And if we're all members of the one body of Christ, who's our kin? And who are we hiding from? See, their cries, their cries are what we hear when the trumpets of fear, scarcity, and lack stop sounding. 